From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO here at Square2. Appreciate everybody joining us today. Uh, Eric and I are here with Greg Makish, the CMO at PTO Exchange. I'll let Greg introduce himself in a minute, but Greg, thanks for joining us. Eric, thanks for joining us. I had a funny story before I do my little preamble. So Greg and I were talking offline about how to pronounce his last name. And, and Eric, did I ever tell you that I wanted to have a, uh, like, a, like, a, like a stage name for, for my professional <laughs> career? Do we ever talk about this? I'm not sure. Well, uh, uh, jog my memory, please. Right. So uh, I always felt like a cool name would be Michael Brash. And I always felt like I wanted that to be my like professional name. But when we got started, you would never, ever, ever think about not using your real name. However, today, if I was like Sam or Jonathan's age, well, Jonathan kind of changed his first name, right? But if you're getting started in business today, you literally could come up with a, like a professional name and build your own professional character, LinkedIn and, and email and everything. And no one would ever know your real name. So I wish maybe I had a chance to redo that. If I had any regrets, it would be to come up with like a, a cooler name to use professionally. Now that you said that, I kind of remember that at 2 a.m. at the bar one yeah. night. Explain I, might, I might have mentioned it. I might have mentioned it. All right, cool. Who said, nice who said Lieberman? Lieberman wasn't cool. Lieberman, come on. I could do better. I mean, oh, my kids, on. my kids seem to like it, but I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know. And Eric, I mean, he's he's got issues with his name for sure. Yeah, it's K-less, like pay less shoes. Once I say right, that, right. everybody remembers. Right, right. No, no, I right. get it. I think the, the flip side of what you were just describing, Mike, is you know, while that's possible today, there's also, there's this value, I think, um, on authenticity and realness and real people. Oh, well, and, you're right. You're right. Story, you know? That's a very good point. And I would get dinged for that if someone found out about <laughs> it, for sure. You're, you're absolutely right. Awesome. So sorry about that, folks. Just a little side note to get us started here. So um, thanks for joining us. Again, you can check out the show uh, on YouTube, all of What's Wrong With Revenue is posted to YouTube as uh, usually the next day. You can check out all our all our, our episodes on our YouTube channel, square2marketing.com. You can go to our website at the bottom. There's a link, uh, What's Wrong With Revenue. You can check out all the shows. You can subscribe to the show. You can submit questions, and we'll ha handle some questions today from people who have submitted them. Um, also, all of our shows are posted to your favorite podcast platform. So if you're into podcasts, check it out on uh, Apple, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and all your all the other I, uh, um, uh, podcast platforms. And as we've been talking about recently, Square2 has a new streaming service. It's free to everybody called Square2+. Plus. All of the What's Wrong With Revenue episodes are now available on Square2+. Plus. Uh, there's a special What's Wrong With Revenue channel 
There's also channels for CMOs, CROs, sales leaders. Uh, there's a technology channel. Um, it's a really cool idea. Go check it out. Square2marketing.com backslash square. The number two, the word plus, and you'll get a cool uh, Netflix oriented experience where you can check out all of our audio and video content. So today, Eric and Greg, we're going to be talking about creating advocates for your business. So Greg, thanks for being a guest. I really appreciate mm -hmm. it. You and I have kind of known each other electronically for the past couple of years. We've kind mm -hmm. of talked back and forth and shared some experiences. And I appreciate you coming on the show. What, what Eric and I try to do is answer the question, what's wrong with revenue? And we try to unpack one particular issue that might be preventing companies from growing revenue. And today we're going to be talking about creating advocates. So I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about PTO Exchange because it seems like a cool concept and we'd like to learn a little bit about it. Sure, um, sure. But what we want to cover today is we really want to talk about how even companies that have great products and great services, if they're not leveraging their clients and their customers to tell their story for them, they're really not creating advocates. And you really need your, your customers to be advocates for you in the business, especially today. And Greg, I appreciate your comment about authenticity. Look, the three of us are marketers and everyone knows our prospects don't really believe us. They know that our mission in life is to trick them to buy in our services, the really good marketing and a really good sales. So where do they go? They, they turn to our customers. They really wanna hear from them directly. And today there are so many ways for them to hear directly from our, our customers through online reviews and, and video testimonials and, and all kinds of tools to, to activate, as Eric and I like to say, activate your customer base to help tell your story. So that's really what we're going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about how to, how to do that activation mm -hmm. and where you need to try to get your customers to tell your story, how you might be able to incent them without it looking like you're buying their advocacy, because again, that's not super authentic, right? And even how to systematize this for your company. Um, and then um, we do handle questions here. So we have some questions from people who uh, watch the show, listen to the show, and we'll try to uh, uh, cover those today too, all in about 60 minutes. So Greg, again, thanks for joining us. Why don't I let you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and what PTO Exchange does. Again, it sounds like a cool concept. Um, introduce uh, Eric and me and the, the audience here to it, and then we'll uh, dive right in. Sure, sure. Well, thanks for having having me. Uh, and uh, this is a great topic. So I'm, I'm looking to to share some, some um some perspectives as well as, as learn as much as I can, because I think that you can continue to, to learn on this stuff, especially in, in, in the B2B spaces, which is where I, I live. So uh, PTO Exchange is, is a relatively new company. We still consider ourselves a startup. Um, we, uh, we launched a couple of years ago with the beta version of our product, but we're basically uh, the first benefits platform that allows employees to convert the value of their unused vacation PTO paid time off into other causes and uh, needs or priorities. So things like they can convert some unused vacation into retirement contributions or student loan repayments, or uh, even an emergency cash fund that the employee, the employer would, would allow, or or just straight just straight out straight out uh, uh, a cash that's added added to their to their weekly paycheck, um, donations or discounted travel. Those sorts of things are are possible. And, uh, and the whole notion here is we're big advocates of, of the value of paid time off and the value of vacation and how it, it helps 
employees and workers recharge and and balance their their work life um, uh, balance. Uh, but the you know the, the sober facts are that in general the average employee leaves about a, a week of vacation on the books each year that just doesn't take it. So if they get three weeks, they may take two. If they get four weeks, they may take three. This is across the entire spectrum of, of, uh, of the U.S. economy um, uh, and both, both public and private sector. Actually, public sector is even more extreme than that. So they, they're, mm -hmm. they're building up a lot more unused than even the private sector. And our thought was, this is earned compensation. This is part of uh, a worker's, um, uh, you know, their package of how they're compensated and, and, and why not provide them more options and flexibility for converting the value of that compensation into things that may be just a little bit higher priority for them at their stage in life, whether that's, you know, contributing to their college fund or retirement or what have you. So we're, um, we're excited. We've got, uh, you had a tremendous growth here in, in 2021. Uh, we had a, 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 um, on top of a, a very strong year in 2020 as well. So we're slowly but surely getting the story out. And we, we feel that um, that what we're hearing from our customers is that, especially now, this is one of those things that is a differentiator that helps them especially retain staff, which is you know super important, especially in certain categories and, and industries like healthcare. What else can we do to support our employees to increase employee engagement to increase employee satisfaction to to enhance loyalty and enhance the, the stickiness and, and retention so we're starting to to really get some interesting data around that uh, we have a, we have quite a few anecdotal stories in that so so that's all good and and we're really trying to solve a couple of things we want to solve for the employee and enable enable uh, more options for for those folks and the employers to you know to do what they can to retain staff in these tough times it's a really cool idea. So let me make sure I understand it. Uh, so if I have extra, if I have a, a week of time off and I'm not going to use it, I give it to PTO exchange and someone else buys it for some currency. How, 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 would, how do I get compensated if I have an extra week of time off? Great question. Not quite like you just described it. It's, uh, it's basically a software platform. You would log in, either log in through your HR portal through a single sign-on, for example, or just go straight to, to our, our website and log in um, as a, as a, with your, your corporate email and a, and a password that's been assigned to you or, you or you change. And then you get this little dashboard and it says, you've, Mike, you know, Mike L has, has um, 150 hours of PTO and the company that he works for, Square Two, says of those 150 hours of, of, of paid time off that's in his bank right now, um, we, we would like him to retain a little bit for his own personal, personal uh, mental health and such. So he can, he can exchange up to, let's say, 100 hours of that mm -hmm. 150. And then you just go through and you click on a tile and, and then it's like, okay, I've got 100 hours I can potentially convert. Here's eight hours into my 401k. Boom, boom, and then you get all the confirmation stuff, and then it gets reflected on your pay stub. Hmm. So you oh, see those cool. contributions. Yeah, yeah. It's so I could also I could also decide. Uh, I like what you said about stage of life. If I'm trying to sock away for retirement at age 56, I might lean into that, work a little harder, not take my vacation. If I'm young and I want to like uh, explore the world, I might take all of it and not cash it in for anything. If I'm feeling that I need a tax deduction, I could take one week of my pay, donate it to the charity of the choice of my employer and get a tax benefit for that if that's my situation. 
Absolutely, Eric. Yeah, that's that's a great way of putting it. Um, and we're finding that that's that's sort of the way it's netting out. So so younger people are are using things around like student loan repayment more than retirement contributions and, and what have you. Um, interesting that you said travel. Our, our platform also is able to accommodate discounted travel as well. So um, if you want to go and, and book something, uh, then you can. We have a uh, we have a deal with Priceline that gets you. 15 to 30 percent below their, their their publish rates on hotels and airfare and car rentals. So the whole notion around that was sometimes people have the time to take a vacation, but they maybe they couldn't then just afford it with their family, you know, family of four or five. So so we wanted to, to provide that that option as well, and that seems to be getting a lot of traction. So because yeah, because you're disrupting things. I assume it takes a lot of content in your marketing to describe that to the HR managers or leadership teams that you're trying to convince that this is a, a positive thing that they should implement. Exactly, exactly. And that's really been our main challenge, I think for the last two years is that we, we essentially created this category from nothing uh, in, uh, in late 2000, in 2018. And now you know, we're several, several years on um, and uh, it's just starting to begin to resonate, and it's, it takes a while to, to sort of get that flywheel going, and to get uh, and to sort of build the uh, the communication channels for the megaphone. Um, but we've been we've been trying to be both strategic and tactical as a startup, using using what we can, you know, through through the channels. But um, and we'll talk about talk about that more. I'm sure. Sure. During this, uh, during I'm this sure session. that the uh, great resignation has been a little wind in your sails because uh, employers are worried about losing people. They're looking for new tools in order to retain them. Retain them. Yeah, it's been a real interesting two years. Uh, you know, first first of all, it started with um, how how are employers going to deal with uh, potentially people getting you know many many of their staff getting sick or getting, having, having to take some time off for themselves or to care for a family member or a loved one. So we had this notion around PTO sharing that seemed to get a lot of attention in, in 2020, for example. That's, that's this whole idea around within a company itself, I can donate eight hours of my time if I've got some extra into what's called a pool. And then this pool then sits and grows and grows and grows until it's got, and, and then individuals within the company can then apply to say, hey, I'm out. I need, I need another week um, and then apply to the pool. And then there's criteria that are set up by the, uh, by the employer. Um, and that, uh, that, that had, we had a lot of interest in that in 2020. That kind of morphed into, all right, a lot of people didn't take PTO during 2020 because of travel limitations <laughs> and restrictions. So right. people just stayed. Um, so they get it. So the bank grew by thirty to forty percent. Is is uh, based on some research that that uh, that we've seen. So now employers are looking at, to be to proactively kind of try to work that balance down because it is a liability on their balance sheet. And then, as you said, Eric, lately, certainly from mid twenty twenty one, even through today, it's been the great resignation. Yeah, you know, mm. for sure. Mm. Really interesting story. Uh, cool. Let's try to apply that to our topic today. So Eric, I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about the importance of the last stage in the cyclonic buyer journey and how that is relevant to this idea of getting your customers and clients to basically be advocates for you. Absolutely. And I believe you be the seventh of the eight stages decision, right? 
Well, I think aren't there eight? Isn't delivery? Yeah. I'm actually talking about delivery, the eighth state. Oh, oh, for referrals and stuff like that. Correct. Correct. Oh, absolutely. Correct. Okay. So uh, I'm sorry, I misunderstood. So yeah, a lot of clients come to us and they're like, hey, we need more leads. And we're like, uh, okay, tell us what you do now to generate revenue. And typically they're forgetting about activating their customer base to either buy more or be advocates for other folks that uh, might enjoy the same product or service. So I think the conversation always starts with, do I have something of interest to share? If I'm a customer of the store and I bought an apple and the apple had a big dent in it and the cashier was rude, I literally have no motivation to be an advocate for that store. But if the experience that I had with that organization was remarkable, I now am in a position to be an ambassador. The challenge is, is that people don't realize, uh, sorry, business folks don't realize the power of that. By getting a customer base activated and uh, basically uh, tooting your horn to the rest of the world, those are the best kinds of leads we can get. They are free and they come with a baked in testimonial. Call Greg, he's the man. That doesn't cost anything to anybody. So it all starts also with the um, uh, uh, understanding that the experience has to be great. You know, lots of times we talk to prospective clients and they say, well, we need help with our branding. And I always say, well, what does branding mean to you? Well, our logo, our brochure, our website. And it's actually not true in 2022. The brand is more typically the experience that people have with your company. And that enables people to feel what's going on in your company, positive or negative, and then make a decision whether they are an advocate or not. Sometimes I get a little frustrated because I hear stories about people that have bad experiences with businesses. And those experiences could, could so easily be turned into positive ones if the cognizance of the leadership team was like, what are we going to do to activate this, uh, uh, this uh, group of people? So it all starts with having something interesting to say about a great experience. That's definitely step number one. Step number two is, very simply, now that I have a positive a group of people that are more than willing to tell my story, I have to ask them, I have to remind them, I have to give them tools in order to do that. And that's where the uh, marketing advocacy uh, thrust comes in, is that we have actually a strategy about activating those folks and getting them to sing our songs on our behalf. Yeah, that was excellent. Uh, thank you. And I, I, you know, there are, the, the, the sad part about this whole topic is when people do have negative experiences, they're much more likely to tell people about it than when they have positive experiences, which is why you really need to programmatically think about this. So I'll give you a practical example. And then, Greg, I'm going to ask you to talk about maybe how PTO tries to handle advocacy. Mm -hmm. um, so at Square Two, we are very, it's very important to us how our clients feel about their experience with us. And we've we tried for many, many years to uh, make this into a system and make it easy to implement and give our clients a lot of opportunities to provide feedback to us. And we really used almost every tool in the toolkit, automated surveys, phone calls, net promoter score, really trying to, to get data and, and give our clients a lot of opportunities to, to tell us how we're doing. And eventually what helped us crack the code around it was making it more personal. Now, you know, we're not a software company, so we don't have thousands of clients that, or even hundreds of clients that we're trying to stay connected to on a regular basis. But we do have, you know, 20 to 30, sometimes maybe 40 clients that we're trying to uh, get feedback on. And what really turned the tide for us was making it a more personal experience and, and putting someone in charge of it and, and making it their responsibility. 
So the way we systematically handle advocacy at Square Two is when we start with a new client, one of our executives, it's actually our, our creative director, tells our clients that she's also responsible for advocacy and she's going to be checking in on them and, and literally initiates a conversation to personalize and customize that advocacy sequence, frequency. Uh, we do a lot of short, high intensive engagements here. So in those scenarios, she might be talking to them once a week because that engagement could be over in four to six weeks. And so a, a weekly touch base is, is more important. Um, if it's a more traditional ongoing client, she might be talking to them once a month or, or once a quarter, depending on how frequently they wanna talk to us. And in what format? Is email how they want to interact with us? Do, do they want to have a phone call? Do they want to fill out a survey? How frequently do they want to get the survey? So they will basically tell us at the very beginning of the kickoff meeting, I'd like to talk to you once a week. I'd like it to be email or I'd like to talk to you on the phone. Let's set up that meeting now. So there's, you know, it's on our schedules or, oh, just check in with me and we'll find a time to talk. So it's very personalized, very customized. And it's actually been the best thing we've ever done around this particular challenge. And what she does after she has those conversations, if they go well, is she's now trying to get them to help tell our story. So there are a few online platforms that we like to get reviews posted. If she has a good conversation with a client, she'll say, could you please write us a review? I'm gonna send you some instructions to make it easy. You know, we like to collect them here. We like to collect them there. You know, this other place would be an option for you too. Like the more the merrier, like, but we know it's, it's a big part of your, you know, I don't wanna waste your time. So whatever you can do, we appreciate it. So she actually is very proactive about asking them to write reviews for us because these online reviews are very important in our industry and probably many of yours who are listening to. Like I said earlier, People want to go and read those third-party reviews. That's really who they trust. They trust us a lot less than they do those reviews because those people are mostly actually, they, they feel like those are honest and authentic reviews of, of our own performance. So that's how we've decided to kind of crack this code. And it's worked really well for us. We've been doing this for, what, our past two years or maybe even a little longer than that. Um, but it's finally how we were able to get regular feedback from our clients, good uh, constructive criticism where it's necessary. That helps us be better, right? Everybody's trying to be better. And then activating those people to, uh, to write reviews and also do video testimonials. We do a, almost a steady stream of client video testimonials too. So when they have a good experience with us, we ask them, would you be willing to do a video? We explain our, our remote video uh, program to them, how easy it is for them to just use an iPhone and, and, and shoot a little client testimonial video for us. So it's been a really good way for us to collect this content, share this content and activate our customers. So if any of you are interested in talking about that a little, a little bit more, you can email me at mike at square2marketing.com. I'm happy to share some more details about what we do. Greg, uh, what do you guys do at PTO Exchange for advocacy? Well, um, thanks for that review and what you guys are doing because I, I have great respect for for you guys as, as marketers and also how you market, you know, your services in, in Square too. So that's super helpful. Um, and I will call you about the video. So I guess <laughs> I think that's Sounds important. Good. Sounds good. Um, our, our situation, it's, and it's, again, it, this is interesting, Mike and Eric, it's, it depends really on, on the, the, the category and the stage of the company and, and all these things. So so here's what I mean for PTO exchange in, in, in particular, we have found that, um, that the category was so new that people weren't 
our, our target customers were not really hanging out on G2 or, or Captera. Trust Pilot. Or, yeah, right, yeah, any of those places, right, right. It just weren't yet. So we, were, we, we tried a couple posts there. We got, a, we got a couple of advocacy positive reviews there. And, um, you know, it was just, you know, just sort of, you know, it, you know it's just really a small, a small noise in the, in the forest. It just wasn't really making any impact. We have found that, uh, and then a, a secondary challenge for us as a B2B company is that, um, actually this is kind of in two parts. So part number one is our, our main customers, which are generally within the human resources or finance departments of, at these companies, they're not always, they don't always have permission to publicly talk about sure. which vendors they're working with for whatever corporate policy and, and, and communications you know, policies that they have, they have set up. So, so that's a, that can be a little bit of a hurdle. And I'm going to share with you some thoughts about how we're trying to deal with that. Uh, and then the second piece is the, uh, is this, uh, you know, our ultimate customer are employees. So they're employees within these employers. The employers are our customers, but the you know the employees are the ones that actually use yeah. the software, use the platform, get the benefit, get the value. So we've kind of had to come at it two ways. The first way is like the, I came at the traditional way, which is okay. Let's let's work with my advocate, the director, or the VP of marketing, or the CHRO, and try to get some testimonials from them. And we did got some nice quotes and everything. And and um, but now we're we're really kind of diving into the second piece, which is we, we we're, we're getting we're getting permission to send surveys to uh, to the employees themselves who have used the system. One, we want to generate we want to see what the awareness is of this benefit, and then also build the awareness. And then it's a quick survey, but it includes things like NPS. Yeah, if people have done. And what we want to do is is then see if we can get permission to dive deeper as appropriate with, with each of those individual users or use cases. And possibly again, sort of this would be maybe Mike or Eric speaking for themselves as opposed to the company, uh, their particular experience using yeah. this. Benefit. Is that less restrictive? I mean, if I'm an employee, am I allowed to talk about my experience with PTO exchange as opposed to the VP of HR kind of? We're kind of, we're kind of in this gray area. We're trying to yeah. figure, that, <laughs> figure that out exactly. But we, well, ultimately what we'd like to do is um is get them to you know uh to post something positive on Glassdoor for their mm -hmm. own company you know about maybe mm -hmm. a positive experience that they've had there and uh and then um uh or, or things like like linkedin I, th I i tell you what we have been able to do you know given sort of that situation where sometimes it's a little bit more uh a little less open than than we like and then who who are you working with we we've been able to get permission to Use use some of our customers and their testimonials in sales materials, powerpoints, but they're just not widely publicly available. Mm -hmm. Got um, it. They're available for references, and we're 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 leaning in more and more to folks who have agreed to be references for us. You know, before it was the old traditional way. Let me let me connect you with our prospect who's at this stage in the cycle, and then of course two three weeks go by, and it's just you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Adds time, so now we're. We're getting we're leaning into video on uh, for those particular reference calls, and if they they can answer eighty percent of the questions in two or three minutes on the video, then hopefully that that just short circuits it and, and helps us accelerate a little bit more. But um, um, you know, being able to reference a customer, even if we have to make it anonymous in some of our marketing emails, 
is, is really, really helpful. So if we're doing a healthcare campaign, for example, being able to reference a hospital system with 10,000 employees in the Southwest, sure. even if I can't use their name, right. is helpful. And then ultimately, you know, we can, on private, more private conversations, uh, you know, use, use their, um, some of their materials. But, um, you know, it's, this is all the lists that you're talking about. It's, um, you know, it's, it's LinkedIn, it's events, you know, there's a lot of events in, in sort of the HR space. So if we can get people on panels talking about us, I think that's super helpful. Podcasts are becoming more and more important things like this. And, you know, in the, in the HR, HR world. Um, so, uh, and then we've also had some, some success related to um, uh, just uh you know, basically th thanking people for in recognition of their time, not trying to, you know, to bribe them, but we know right. you're busy, right? So here's, right. you know, depending on the asses, you know, here, here's a $25 gift card or even $50 from Amazon or five, we've done $5 Starbucks coffee cards that, that a lot yeah. of people responded to. So it, it varies. Yeah, that's a really good point. Eric, you want to talk a little bit about the the reference reel uh, work we've yeah. been doing? I mean, that's a directly to Greg's issue. And it's uh, worked out pretty well for us and, and a number of our clients. Yeah, absolutely. So Greg, just, you know, dovetailing off of what you said, we had the same challenge, like, will you, uh, uh, you know, advocate on our behalf uh, to a prospective client? Huge pain in the butt, right? Got to give them the information. They have to hook up together. They have to have the conversation. They have to have three of them for some reason. Three is the magic number, right? So that was bogging down our sales process. After we gave the final recommendations and they said, yeah, we're interested in working with you, we would provide them with the references. And then two weeks would go by before we could like actually start to negotiate the agreement. So Mike and I said, you know, that ain't working. So all we did is took some of those video references and we stitched them together into a nice three minute reference reel. So when someone says now, uh, oh, actually, they don't even say it because proactively after the meeting, we just say here, the, the subject line of the email is clients like you. And all we do is say, hey, great conversation. You know, we're looking forward to next steps. By the way, here's a whole bunch of stories of clients like you, you might enjoy. Greg literally took away the uh, call for references. Now, well, do I still get them? Yeah, twice, three times a year. But that one uh, proactive approach to advocacy, once again, putting out there proactively, here are the people that are talking about us. Now, I will say I had one recently, maybe it was two or three weeks ago. And his goal was not to confirm that we're the company to hire. He wanted the learnings from existing clients and what he could do better to be a good client. So that gave me the idea, which of course is on my very long to-do list of creating another reference reel about secrets about working with Square Two, which would have eliminated that problem for the people mm -hmm. that are interested in that. So you know, a little bit of technology, a little bit of forethought, a little bit of automation by creating a template in HubSpot and putting that out exactly at the right moment of the sales process really helped us uh, have clients, uh, 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 you know, have advocacy on our behalf without annoying them that they have to schedule a 30-minute call. So did you generally put, um, did you split those testimonials up into like three separate video links with, or what did you? No, did it's you say one. Them to? Yeah, it's one video with about 12 clients each with like a little 15 second snippet about what it's like to work with Square Two. Really? Okay. Yep. Um, Easter egg alert, email me at eric at square2marketing.com and I'll send you a link to that uh, reference reel so that you can make one of your own. I'd love to. Yeah, that's, that's a great idea. Awesome. Thanks. Oh, you know, uh, okay, Mike, I'm sorry. Um, no, I just, I wanted to make sure um, 
uh, Greg already mentioned it, like around incentives. And we did have a couple of questions about, you know, how, how do you get customers to do online reviews without being annoying? Um, and then how to use incentives uh, to promote these or surprise them after they do it. So I thought it would be interesting to talk a little bit about this, this balancing act between feeling, not feeling like you're paying people to do these reviews for you, but you know, to Greg's point, incenting them for their time. Like they're taking a couple minutes out of their day. We are not their priority. Obviously none of us are from a review perspective, but they're valuable to us. And um, I, you know, uh, I, I thought Greg's a couple of suggestions were really good. We've tried a number of things. First of all, you know, we do ask them to, to do, to do reviews. We do provide them basically like a, a, a templated email that basically says, click here, then do this, then do that. So that it's, it's, it's foolproof and they don't have to figure it out. Some of these review sites, while, while attempting to be easy, you, you might have to log in. You might have to create an account. Like nothing annoys me more than when, when someone asks me to review a business and I have to create an account, but some of yep. them do force you to do that. I just want the, the client to be aware of it. And uh, I don't want to walk them through it so that they're not annoyed or taken aback. So, you know, all the details there, in some cases, we even write them like a sample, right? Like, and again, like, I'm not trying to tell them what to say, but some people when looking at a blank box, like they, they freeze up, they don't know exactly what to write. So we try mm -hmm. to give them a little bit of a, you know, it's like pushing the snowball down the hill. Like, and, and I say to them, look, you don't have to write this, but this is an idea of what some other people have written about us. So, you know, ho hopefully gets that creative process started. Um, and honestly, sometimes they're like, oh, great, I'd be happy to do it. And then they don't do it. And we have to remind them and we have to remind them. We have to remind them. And, you know, now you're annoying, right? You don't you don't want to be annoying. I mean, they said they would do it. They said they were happy. They gave us a 10 out of 10. So I, I'm assuming that they're being honest with us on the feedback. But when it comes to clicking the button and visiting the site and actually doing a review, they just keep getting distracted and they don't do it. You know, you, eventually you have to just leave them alone because, again, these are your customers. You don't want to bother them. Um, but, you know, we've done Amazon gift cards for some people. We even, in our case, we give them a couple. I mean, a lot of our clients buy points for services. So, you know, I've been open to giving them some points. You know, if you do a review, we'll give you five points so they can get a little extra service from us in the next month. Um, all good incentives to, to try to promote them. Some companies have policies about taking gifts for, for any reason you know, over a certain value or, right. or even at all, which is why I think the service, uh, the, 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 the extra services helps them work around that particular issue too. But, you know, my advice to people who are trying to use incentives is to just try a couple of different things and see what clicks and then lean into what does click. And you may need a couple of go-to moves to, to kind of push them over the edge um, I don't know if Greg or Eric have anything you want to add to that, but, you know, I have one thing and I, you know, in my preparation for today's show, uh, Greg, I don't want to be an alarmist, but there's a sketchy looking dude behind you. Be careful. Uh, <laughs> I just saw that too. <laughs> um, well, my notes, I was thinking about good advocacy stories and, uh, Mike, remember our old friend, Scott Messer, he's a sure. sales consultant. And I remember when we hired him, he said one thing, I want to make it very clear before you hire me, I work by referrals. And my assumption is that when I do an excellent job for you, you will refer me. And I thought that was really cool how he set the table, even before we became a client, 
that the expectation was that I'm supposed to think about and provide him with referrals as part of our relationship. So just a little nugget there I wanted to add in because Mike, to your point, getting them, oh yeah, remember in the sales process, I agreed that I would give references as if Square Two did a good job. That's really something I should try to bring back a little bit in a very polite and uh, uh, you know thoughtful way. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the setting the table for that as well is important. Uh, I also wanted to talk about, because you're talking about incentives, is a little bit of software that actually goes up against this too. My good friend Mitch Rose is the CMO over at Build Trust, and they are all in on advocacy, which I find interesting because their clients are CFOs and controllers, not the most... Uh, uh, generally, you know, flamboyant and, uh, you know, social folks, they're numbers folks, right? But they use Influitive, which is a software that basically puts a backbone to the advocacy program, giving points for positive activities. Sit in on a webinar, get five points. Be a reference for a client, get 10 points. Come to our user group meeting in New Orleans, get 50 points. And what's interesting how Mitch shares it is that his clients are actually quite competitive because there's a leaderboard who has the most points and the clients actually compete who could be the best client because really? it's on the leaderboard. So I always thought that was a very interesting way to approach it and the gamification of advocacy, which of course everybody enjoys. Yeah, we, we actually had a question from Arthur in Miami about gamification and um, uh, I actually participated for a short time in HubSpot's Influitive-based um, gamification around their own advocacy program. And, you know, it was, it was exactly like you're describing, you, you earn points for different things and there was a leaderboard. And I do think people generally want to perform uh, publicly like that. Um, it was interesting because it was starting to become a bit arduous for me. I, I it was a lot of work to, to maintain my status so much so that eventually I was like, I, I, I just got other things I got to do. So, you know, we were talking a second ago about where is the line between, you know, like asking your clients to do your customers to do too much versus asking them to do too little. And, and how do you, how do you balance that? Yeah. I mean, Greg, I mean, I do think, and again, for us, we don't, we just don't have enough customers to, to gamify advocacy, but, but I would think, you you might right um depending on how many you, you i mean you have the people who are using it and you have the companies that are using it it seems like it might be an opportunity to consider gamifying it a little bit what, what do you think you know that's it's that's super relevant that you that we're kind of talking about this right now because we're we're at a point now where we're, we're, we're sort of gaining critical mass both with customers and and employees on platform which is gosh over one hundred and fifty thousand now um, that, uh, you know, yes, these things I think could be, could make a lot of sense. And, um, uh, you know, it's interesting to hear about your, your experiences with, um, uh, with Influitive. And, uh, mm -hmm. so yeah, we'll, we'll definitely take a look at that. I think it could be, I think a point system could be something super interesting for us to enhance employee engagement, more the more transactions that they make, the more things that they do. The more credits that they get, that they could then mm -hmm. use on in certain certain ways in, in a, on a marketplace or or what have you, or um, and then uh, and then in terms of gamification, Eric with the, your CFO example, that's kind of interesting. It's like how competitive are these folks with with, yeah. uh, with other companies? Even uh, my friend Mitch was very surprised how engaged they were with that gamification. Interesting, yeah. super interesting. I I've heard a couple times now, and and this is something that. We've batted around, but now we've finally got some bandwidth um, to, to, to actually um, uh, instrument this around this basically pre preceding advocacy 
at the appropriate time, either at the very end of the sales process or what we would call the kickoff or the launch of, of the customer, the implementation, the engagement, and just basically set that expectation. It's like, hey, we expect that we're going to do a, you know, a killer job job for you. You know, if you agree, you know, uh, we're going to we're going to reach out in whatever it is, 30, 60, 90 days to to check in and ensure that we're we're on, we're on on the trajectory and engagement that we we had set out as goals, and then ask you for you know respectfully ask you for your your um, your support right in 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 whatever whatever forms that may that may be, and and ideally it's it's some of these these um, these uh, media that we talked about today like like video you know because that is just so helpful on repurposing in a number of different places, but it does have to live in the appropriate third party sort of space too. That's just not, that is seen as more unbiased than, than just, you know, one of our, yeah. one of our channels, for example. I, I think that's really critical. And to, to, to Eric's point, I mean, we, we, we try to set the table a number of times, right? Like we do ask our client in the very, at least in the second sales call. And then when we start the engagement, like, Hey, one of our core values is we want you to be a raving fan, right? That means you're an advocate of square two, a, a public advocate of square two. What do we have to do to make you an advocate of our business, right? Let's agree mm -hmm. today that these are the kinds of goals and objectives that we need to achieve with you. And if we do, you're agreeing. Look, we agree we'll do the work to get you to the thousand leads a quarter you're expecting us to get you. And in exchange for that, you'll agree to when we do send you the video, you're happy to make the video. When we do ask you to write the review, you're happy to write the review. And we do ask you to talk to a prospective client. You're happy to do that. And they basically, my hope would be they would agree, right? If you're going to do X, Y, and Z for me, I'm going to agree to do A, B, and C for you. Seems like a fair deal. It does. And even if you get some percentage of those folks engaged, it's more than you had before when you weren't being proactive. It's better it's than true. zero. It's true. Exactly. True. exactly. All right. I got a question from Mark in Austin, Texas. He, he's asking about executive participation. And Greg, I don't know what you guys do over there as ex executives, but mm -hmm. he said he was once at a company where executives owned certain clients and did regular check-ins with them. Have you seen any of this in your professional travels? Or do you guys do anything like that at PTO exchange? You know, I've seen some of this before. Usually it's with like your biggest clients end up with some kind of executive champion that's kind of aligned with the account team. Um, what do you think about doing something like that for, for advocacy? I think it's a great idea, and we and we have been doing it. We've been doing it, um, you know, as a as a smaller company, it's a little bit easier to do because everything is related to customers. You know, throughout the whole leadership team of of, of the company, we're growing now to a point where that's probably we're going to put a little bit more process in place and uh, um, in structure. But anytime that I've worked with with Rob Whalen, our CEO, on sort of high level touchbacks again personalized email from him to both customers and opportunities that maybe didn't come to fruition yet but they we've been working on them for six months or a year and you know things kind of go in their own little cadence but um almost uh without exception anytime we've done that sort of um uh i, I guess sort of a deliberate outreach um our the response rate is is high 50, 60, 70% of people are, of the, they're responding. Oh, thank you for checking in and, you know, this and that. Um, and, uh, and, and so that, that is super helpful. 
super helpful. So I, I, I guess I, I'm Mark Bidon is a, is a, is a, a very, you know, uh, enthusiastic advocate of, of sort of executive ownership of, of certain clients. When people want to be, they want to feel special, right? And they want to be treated in a special way. So, you know, those kind of, that, that kind of outreach goes a long way for making them feel like you're, you know, they, they're being treated in a unique and, and uh, extraordinary way, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a question here from Beth in Seattle. They're considering a client advocacy board, advocacy board, or I'm sorry, client advisory board is what she wrote here. Do you have any experience with this? And if so, what was the experience and how it's a little different than, you know, executive sponsorship. So like it requires probably a little more thought and, and work, but I think, you know, an advisory board might have a place in an advocacy program as well. What do you guys think about that? Well, what could be bad? I mean, it, the only challenge about the advisory board is that it's another task in order to manage. You remember way back when, Mike, we put together our own advisory board. God, it must have been 12 years ago, maybe more. And it was great because they gave us honest feedback. We met once a quarter. I remember we compensated for them the time. We had some sandwiches and iced teas. It was very, very pleasant. But every time, if you remember, it came around like, well, we, you know, we have to organize this. We have to get a conference room, blah, blah. And it just fell apart after a while just because of that effort. So there's nothing wrong with it. The insights that we got were really valuable, but the I'm not sure that the effort equaled the investment. Uh, sorry, the uh, investment equal yeah. the return that we were looking for. And, uh, you know, I think that, remember also, we're a small company. And like you said, 30, 40 clients at a time. Take Greg's scenario where he literally has hundreds upon hundreds of people. Maybe it's instead of an advisory board that is consistent, little advisory focus groups, right? Hey, come in one mm-hmm. time and give us your experience and then mm-hmm. capturing the data so that it could be like an ongoing system as opposed to us, which each time it was a personalized meeting. Um, I, you know, I think it depends on the company. And I also think that you could combine them. So Greg, you mentioned earlier, like events. So if I'm having my annual event for, you know, the PTO exchange software users group, maybe part of that is, hey, uh, you know, four o'clock before the big happy hour, join us in salon A for a little bit of an advisory board huddle. Now, mm-hmm. at least it's like two birds with one stone and it's not like a whole to do. Mm-hmm. I might recommend the post happy hour advisory board huddle because you'll probably get better reviews or honest or honest <laughs> feedback. Love you guys. I love you guys. I think this is, oh, I'm sorry, this Greg, is a, Greg, I'm sorry. I just wanted to put in one extra thing that I remember yeah. that uh, Mitch was telling me about. It's the pre attack. And what I meant by that was what Mitch does at his company is when he's got a hot prospect, he asks an existing client, to send an email on Bill Trust's behalf in the sales process. So they get this cold email. The subject line, I'm sure, says, you know, I'm a client like you. Hey, I heard you were thinking about hiring Bill Trust. Dot, 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 dot. Don't even think about it. They've been a, a incredibly impactful to our business. If you want to talk about it, let me know. And those proactive emails are one, remarkable, but two, kind of go on the offensive so that even if they think about it, they're asking for it, it's like, look, people are emailing me out of the woods, woodwork here telling me that these guys are great. Another great touch point in the sales process. Sorry, Greg, I wanted to make sure I got that uh, nugget in. That's a, that's a great idea. So is that something that, um, that you, I think you just have to, to manage your, your advocate and, and, and take a temperature of, of what, they, what, they can, uh, what they can take on? in terms of, you know, the ask. Uh, for, That's right. You know, if you have uh, 200 people in your pipeline, they can't be sending 200 uh, emails. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's, it's, a, it's a couple of things every month or, or, or whatever that cadence is, but that is a, a fantastic idea. I was yeah. just going to kind of 
come back to to sort of my experience on the on the client advisory board or the customer advisory board. I think in concept these things are are fantastic, as you said, Eric, and 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 it's really hard to, to kind of come up with things that wouldn't be positive about them. But the whole point is. I think the devil's in the details. How do you structure these things? What's the what's the cadence? The you know the, the frequency of meeting? Is it physical? Is it Zoom? What's ex, what are the expectations? Um, is it rotating? Is it not? And, you know, and, and, and that sort of thing. And it, it could be any any place along a spectrum of of, of those types of of, uh, of dimensions. But um, but this just notion of unvar unvarnished first-hand feedback and suggestions from customers as opposed to coming through salespeople or, or this or that is invaluable, I think. So even if it's, you know, you guys were getting overwhelmed on once a quarter, even if it's once a year or twice a year, you know, maybe that's more manageable for, again, your, your, your business and what you're in. Um, and I think that's something, even small companies like us, we, we, we're, we're looking at, at that as well, because I think that that helps us set priorities. Set priorities of okay, what's what's the next on the product roadmap, and uh, you know what 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 else do we need to to make our customers more successful? Yeah, to reflect back to you, Greg, better than zero if you do it once a year, right? Yeah, exactly. We have a tendency to bite off more than we could chew. We probably should have had an, an annual advisory meeting. I think we started with quarterly, and it was it was just too much, too too frequently, and everybody kind of lost. Um, uh, lost steam, you know, after I think we probably had maybe a year's worth of them, but it was just not sustainable at that pace. So we probably should have done something a lot less frequently. Um, I got a question here from, um, let me just scoot over. This is from Sarah in San Diego. And this is interesting. We didn't really talk much about this. What about surveys, net promoter score? I think Greg, you mentioned you guys are doing net promoter score, but there's customer sat, sat score and other yep. quantitative survey me methods. Um, what do you think about um, that and, and, and surveys in general and, and these different methodologies? Um, I guess you guys are using MPS. We are using MPS. Yeah. And we're, we find that it's um, that it's, it's more relevant uh, when we, when we get it from the employee perspective, from the actual mm -hmm. users of, uh, of the benefit of, uh, mm -hmm. of, of, of the software. So um, we just, rolled that out so we're getting our first our first results in but they are very encouraging and um uh i think that's kind of the way we're going to continue to go and, and we're going to try to set that expectation again sort of in that in that initial customer launch uh on saying and here's what we're going to do to uh with with uh with your employee base to, to check to see how we're doing mm -hmm. what frequency are you thinking uh in terms of touching the employees well, our thought is after we launch uh, 90 days after, after that, so it's, they've had some time to get internal in, internal communications from, the, from their HR department and in other places. And then after that, I think, Mike, we're, we're probably going to look at it uh, six months later and then every six months. So we want to, we kind of want to measure that progress. And for us in particular, because it's a new or a new thing and a new category, What's almost what I'm really interested in is seeing how awareness within the organization rises, uh, because it's easy to to sort of get a an email once once from HR and then we're so busy that we just forget it and we we you know many employees don't always know the full extent of all their benefits that are available to them. It's just sort of it's sort of it set it and forget it. So we want to make sure that we understand what the awareness is that 
people really understand that they they have this benefit within the organization. Yeah, that makes sense. It really does. You can't survey people too frequently, then they start ignoring the surveys. We we learned right. we learned that also. Yeah. Cool. I got one more question here and then I'll wrap up. And we did kind of talk about this a little bit, but this is a slightly different question from Walt in New York City. How many online review sites should we be working on building? I mean, there, there, he says there must be a limit. And I think that's a good question. I mean, especially on the software space, like you guys have a lot of different review sites. How are you thinking about that? Um, you know, how, how do you go about deciding which ones to really lean into? Well, for PTO Exchange, it was, uh, you know, it was G2 Crowd and Captera because those are the two leaders in our understanding on the uh, on, on HR software and, so and purchase software in general. Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned we we did get we have a presence there and we we got we got some advocacy there, but because we're such a new category, we just weren't getting a lot of traction. But I think it it depends on your on your category and your industry. Um, I think anywhere from two to five seems reasonable. Um, I know in, in things like marketing services and professional services, there's, there's probably maybe half a dozen of, of relevant uh, online review sites. Um, but I think it depends, it depends on your industry. And, I, and I've received asks myself from, from vendors that I've hired um, to go and do five, review, five, yeah. five reviews on five different sites. And, That's a know, lot. And yeah, it is. And uh, this was an incentive with a, a nice little thank you card. Uh, for, but, but it worked, you know, I actually, I said, okay, I'll take 15, yeah. 20 minutes of my time. You're a good guy, Greg. I don't know if that would work too many times. I mean, we, <laughs> our, our approach is actually, this is an interesting uh, little data point here. Our approach is slightly different. So the way I structured it was three different levels of effort, right? Mm -hmm. So the easiest thing you could do for us is to write us a Google review because mm -hmm. you basically uh, search square two, it pops up right there. You write a review, you're done, right? So that's like the least amount of effort to do a Google review for us. Mm -hmm. Then we, the HubSpot directory is a big source of references for us. That's the second at least amount of effort to go in there. So it takes a little bit of effort. You have to be logged in the HubSpot. You have to kind of follow the directory prompts that they have for you. And then the last one is G2. Now G2 is a verified reference so they actually interview our clients so that's the most amount of work so you know we kind of start with the easiest and give them some options and obviously if they're willing to do g2 and be interviewed and you know give us that verified review there then we do a little bit more for them but i kind of I'll, I'll take anything honestly because they're all important in very varying degrees um, and, and for the most part, they tend to do the HubSpot review because it's the middle of the road. It's not the hardest, it's not the easiest, and it generally still only takes a couple of minutes. But yeah, you got to pick and choose. You can't do everything. You're, you're a saint for doing the five. Because I, don't think, I don't think I would have done that if someone asked me to do five reviews in five different sites. But yeah, good for you. <laughs> cool. Um, let me wrap up. Uh, Eric, anything you want to add before I uh, sign off? No, and say really thanks, great Greg? conversation today with some million dollar ideas. Greg, anything you want to add before we uh, close out? I think just it's it's just worth uh, reinforcing and, and reiterating that I think advocacy is going to only increase in importance. And as we move forward in, in, in sort of the marketing world, not not become sort of this thing that go, that goes away. 
like sort of people want authenticity, they want unbiased and unvarnished information and, uh, you know, and what better way to get it than, than from someone who's worked with you directly. They sure do. And when I, when, when we talk about it internally, I'm constantly referring to our team, like these reviews, they're currency. Uh, they mean things to us from a business perspective. Uh, you know, the HubSpot partner directory is ranked based on how many reviews you have. So the more we can activate our clients and get them to publicly talk about their experience with us, the, the, the better the agency does. So there's a lot of value in these reviews and you, they can't be ignored and they can't be just left to haphazardly rolling in whenever right. they, whenever, whenever someone feels like it, you have to create programs like we've talked about today. You have to create systems and processes behind it. It's the only way you're going to, you know, proactively drive these in the direction that you, you need them to go. And they're important as we've talked about all, all afternoon. Good. Listen, Greg, I really appreciate you joining us. I hope this wasn't too much of your time. I know you're a busy guy. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Eric, thank you. Um, I'll just remind everybody, if you want to get access to the show and you want a little bit more proactive reminders, you can go to square2marketing.com. At the bottom, there's a link, What's Wrong With Revenue? Click on it and you can subscribe to the show and we will email you uh, updates on what's coming. We'll send you the show on demand after the show is over. Uh, the next day, you'll get an email right delivered to your inbox with the show and you can check it out. Also, the Square 2 Plus page has all of the What's New with Revenue, What's Wrong with Revenue shows, and all of our other audio and video content. Check that out on the Square 2 Marketing website as well. It's also at the bottom in the footer. And go check out the show on YouTube. All the shows are at the Square 2 Marketing channel. All the shows are on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you guys very much, Greg. Thank you again. Everybody, have a really great day. And we will see you next Wednesday, same bat time, same bat channel. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye -bye. Take care.